I'm Farah Dijanet of Farah Dijanet Whole Horsemanship in Central Massachusetts in the USA. And this is another episode of my podcast where I'll help you liberate your horsemanship. Well, hey horse peeps out there in the horse universe. It has been a while and it has been a doozy of a year, so not surprising. I haven't been able to get to the podcast as much as I would have liked. And uh, it's been, yeah, interesting. I'm sure all of you are having interesting years. I would like to talk about just some of the positive things that have come out of this year because it's so easy to focus on the negative things. But, um, you know, there's a lot of great stuff that's happened this year. Uh, there's been a lot of great things I've been able to do at the farm. I collaborated with Joanna Mendelshaw on the, the um, equine relationship building clinic, and that was fabulous. Uh, we want to do it again. It was so fun. I did post some clips on the Facebook group. If you are on Facebook, I know some of you aren't. But um, there is some clips. I try to keep people on the loop on some of the stuff that goes on here. As well as what this podcast is about, which is Maestro, my four-year-old Lusitano Stallion, who is just in the process of being backed. And um, because everybody is super interested in cold starting and restarting, older horses uh, I've seen by your listening to my podcast that that is one of the most popular episodes so you guys are interested in that and um, interestingly enough I thought when the year started that things were getting shut down and I wasn't going to be that busy and you know horse farms were shut down for a little while um you know, basically the world ground to a halt for a little bit, and um, you would have thought I would have had more time, but uh, I went to live streaming. Those of you who participated in my live streaming classes, I was equipped to do that. Still am equipped to do that. I've been equipped to do that before all of this stuff happened, and so I did some live streaming courses throughout the spring, which was fun and kept us all in touch. We worked on lateral work, um, bitless riding. I did some live streams to Facebook. Um, Just a lot of stuff. I'm planning on doing more of that. And I did touch on some live streams with Maestro. Um, If you are, again, in the Facebook, our DGNet Horsemanship um, Facebook group, uh, that group I have been posting uh, various videos of actually a lot of different horses I work with, some of the rehab projects and some of my own horses that I've been bringing along and including Maestro. So um, I see you all you Lusitano nuts out there. I've seen everybody, a lot of a lot of people joining the group who are Lusitano people and um, uh, definitely the uh, Iberian uh, people, Iberian lovers out there. So uh, I've been seeing you. I noticed that uh, you're checking in on us. So, um, 
you know, um, what I thought was for you, those of you who don't know Maestro's, how I got him, where he came from. Anyway, I give a little brief history. Some of you will know, but um, the uh, the process I have with horses, uh, starting horses, restarting horses, always starts with the most impeccable relationship with them, the, the trust. And I do have to preface this by saying that when I work with my personal horses, I have a little bit different parameters than horses that are sent to me to be started and the, the horses that need to be um, rehabbed or or need their foundations sort of started over. Um, and I want to explain that a little bit more for those of you who think about sending horses here and um, you've seen the, the process of them. But um, when someone sends me a horse, I am working within their parameters and what they want. Obviously, they've sent me their horses here because they like what I do and they like what I'm about and how I work with horses. But obviously, I'm working in different timelines because people need the horses, you know, um, worked within a certain amount of time. And in a perfect world, we'd all have endless time and endless money to work with our horses and send them to trainers but obviously we all know that that's not the case so when horses sent to me I work with the horse in whatever the owner's goals are and apply all of my technique and training to the timelines that the pre people give me and I'm very good at uh, adapting my system to um, what I usually like to do is 90 days for cult starting and 90 days I can do a pretty good restart or rehab on a horse that is, um, you know, sent to me. And so that gives you an idea. I like to think that that's the minimum time, but also enough time to put a nice program together for any horse. Um, I don't push horses through I don't rush horses you know that's all um, for other trainers to do you know there are plenty of horses trainers in my area that do really quick you know cold starts 30-day cold starts there's even clinics you can go to and get them started in a weekend um, that's not my game I don't feel like that serves anyone or any horse so um, you know, training is a process to do it well and with quality takes time. And actually, interestingly enough, when you work in that way, horses tend to come along quicker on their own when you're not putting a highly pressurized timeline on them. Then you're just working in, in organically with them. They seem to come along much more relaxed and, and quickly. So, um... A lot of the positive things that happened is I connected with a lot more people in the live streams. Um, you know, I was able to connect with people all over the world in some of the classes, which was great. I love that. I, I think it's so fun that technology allows us to do that. And we were allowed to keep exchanging information and progress and talking to each other. And um, I also was able to talk to everybody all over the world about what was going on in their areas and how they were dealing with stuff and, and found out that a lot of people were okay and thankfully were handling everything well and 
and God bless the horses because all of us who have our horses, boy, is it good to be on a farm right now. I know you all feel me on that. You know, all the people who are in the country and on their farms are loving that right now. It is the place to be, our little oasis. So I'm thankful for Ohana. I'm sure those of you who live on your own farms with your own horses are thankful for your farms. We are all enjoying that and appreciating living in the country and living in nature and living with our animals right now because it's a very healing and, and joyous space and the horses keep us grounded. And frankly, those, those of us who are living on farms, our lives haven't changed that much because guess what? Horses have to eat, still got to get mucked, still got to get exercise, train. So if you're on a farm, you are your life has not changed that much other than when you go to the store or you go out to get your your supplies and whatnot these days so I know you all hear me when I say that um yeah and the horses and animals keep you keep you moving in a, in a pretty normal routine anytime things are going on so um during this time maestro this year I really put him in more of what I call a focus program which means I was preparing him for being backed um, I started the Liberty Fundamentals, which you can actually see videos of in the group on Facebook, and I started to strengthen him, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, so a lot of people maybe don't know my process with Liberty, but um, because I integrate biomechanical work and, and um, classical dressage into my um Liberty Fundamentals, which is different than my relationship building work, which I do in the paddocks and has nothing to do with training. So the Liberty Fundamentals became more of a focal point um, as I prepare for the riding and backing. So what I do when I focus on Liberty Fundamentals is I work with the horse in the arena. And the reason I don't do that work in the paddocks is because I want to purely focus on relationship when I'm in the paddocks and when we go in the arena horses and everybody people know that that's a space where we move and so you know it's I, though I can do that work and always the relationships at my my forefront uh, I start to integrate that work in the in the riding arenas and I start to integrate the liberty into what I call sort of almost riding the horse at liberty. So that's your, my horse's first experience and my show's first experience with getting a little bit more um, finessed and refined guidance from me, um, preparing him to understand the shaping, the arcs, suppleness. So a lot of methods I see, um, liberty is kind of the last thing that they do and I work from liberty up and it builds softness into the horse, it builds rapport, it builds uh, fitness, uh, posture, suppleness, all of these things. So to help you understand my process, one of the things I want to talk about is Maestro himself, and because I work to the horse and not to the system, so I have to talk a little bit about Maestro and why I do things certain, certain things the way I do with him. So he's a Lusitano, as I mentioned. Um, his confirmation is 
uh, fairly compact like many Lusitanos. He, I would say, is a little bit more of the taller, um, I want to call him sport type, um, kind of more modern type ones. Uh, he was bred in the U.S. Uh, he was bred very close to me by uh, Jorge Gabriel uh, Casa Lusitana and um, I got him when he was approximately seven months old so um, he was not weaned too early which I liked um, uh, early on I recognized right away that he was what I call an earth fire so he's uh, in the Chinese elements earth fire element so he is a nice blend for me he's that's pretty much kind of my ideal horse right there um he's grounded but he's also got some fire because fire needs fire fire has got all kinds of fire animals around her but earth fire is a nice balance because earth is a very grounded element and earth can be a little too grounded for fire because fire needs a little more of a challenge so I got just enough fire in him so that he's fun, but not so much that he's, you know, if we're like where we have Mercury, who's fire water, my Dutch horse, Mercury is, can be a lot, um, a bit ungrounded in his fire. Um, because of his water element, uh, he can be a more flighty, reactive, sensitive, so that combination is a more more challenging combination, although Merck and I have figured each other out, and I totally understand him, and Merck is 16 this year, can't believe that, somewhat settled down finally, never totally settled down, but is almost a grown-up horse at this point, and um, yeah, so fire-water is a little more of an intense combination, but uh, I do love my fire. Uh, right now I have my fire dog sitting on my lap as we speak, Aiden, Aiden, my little staffy terrier, who is uh, helping out with the podcast tonight, sleeping on my lap. Uh, Aiden's named Aiden because he, in Irish, is a little fire, and he has Irish bloodlines, and he is a little fire. So, um, anyway, just a little side note that my dog's here with us. And, um, the earth fire is a nice combo. Um, some of you would prefer earth, I know. Um, some of you would prefer other elements, but, um, a lot of people like the earth types. And my show also, confirmationally, I said he was compact, he is compact, but he's also, as is typical of the breed, has kind of a short, thick neck. Um, you know, I'm going to talk objectively about his conformation. Um, you know, he has uh, the um, stifles in some of those Zatanos are are not necessarily the strongest feature on them. So um, because of his shoulder connection and his, his thickness, and then um, I found him to be... Uh, not that he's particularly short in the back, but he's he's just tight. Uh, it's just they're sort of short, compact horses. A lot of them, not necessarily short-backed, but just kind of a compact build. So that doesn't always make a horse super flexible. You know, where 
for comparison, you get longer back torsos, they can tend to be laterally more supple, maybe not longitudinally, you might have a little more trouble connecting from back to front, but your shorter horses sometimes can be more laterally, not so supple, but very easy to connect front to back because of their short top line. So um, just a little background. So basically with all that information, understanding my earth fire horse, uh, also taking into account that my horse has quite, he is a, has a play drive. Um, he is incredibly um, focused young colts. Uh, to describe his temperament, um, although he's quite playful when he's being in a session for training, He's extremely, actually quite focused for a young horse, more focused than some of the older horses, certainly more focused than Mercury. Mercury is always going to be what I call the ADD horse, so even at 16 years old. So interesting to compare that um, my 16-year-old Dutch horse is still less focused than my four-year-old Stein. So, um, just to give people an idea that we assume that, you know, older horses get more focused and young horses aren't, but, um, Maestro's character is actually to be quite focused when he's learning things and he's actually quite inquisitive when I'm trying to teach him things, which is very, a wonderful trait and very quick learner and a tremendous amount of try. Now, the interesting thing about that is would he be like that if I had just gotten him as a four-year-old, or is it nature and nurture? Because we've been together since he was a weanling. So he is incredibly tuned in to our sessions and very, very much willing to focus in on whatever I'm trying to communicate with him, which is just fantastic. So with that has been absolute dream to start so there's an element obviously of his nature and there's an element of nurture in there and that's where we have to look at you know the program and how the horse was nurtured one of the reasons I got him was so I could raise him at Ohana completely in my program so he was raised 100% in my system and the proof is is there in the nurture so a uh, combination of nature and nurture. So um, one of the things that I uh, really like to work with, uh, with him was doing things that helped to develop him in terms of his strength prior to me working with him more in hand and single lining. And I'll talk a little bit about the difference between those. Um, the Liberty Fundamentals allowed me to, and and actually still, even though I'm, I'm actually have backed him officially, uh, I'm still using Liberty right now to help develop his canter and also develop his uh, ability to circle at Liberty. And the reason I do that is because um, one of my... Uh, if this is my opinion and my experience, is that if my horse can trot and canter circles without me in balance 
and this is basically the whole premise of all my work with Liberty, is if I, my horse can do these things at Liberty without tech and marking off my communication and can find balance, suppleness, posture, and, and all of these things before I start to add tech, then I need very little from the tech. Tech becomes an extension of something the horse already knows how to do. Then, when we've built and refined that with single line and in handwork, we go on and the horse has developed some fitness and we're working with the horse within what their fitness is. So in my case, I would like to see him uh, before I canter him under, under my me, bareback or with saddle, I would like to see him develop his canter a bit more so I'm developing it at liberty. And um, I can use liberty fundamentals to develop a horse's gates. And I'm also, so I'm seeing some things that basically, I mean, this is just logic even talking that. If I see these things in my horse when he's not carrying the rider and he's not um, working with, you know, tack, that he's struggling with his balance either on the left or the right, it can be any rein any, with any horse. In his case, his left canter. Um, what makes me think that it will be better if I'm sitting on him and he's a young green horse who's only had a few rides on him. So a lot of the stuff I teach my horses and build in my horses at Liberty is so that they are so ready to do it by the time I get on them that it becomes almost effortless for them and stress-free. So what, before I ask a horse to do something on your saddle, I want to make sure they can do it at minimum uh, in hand and or at liberty. So um, I'm problem solving at liberty a lot and using it and as my horse builds their strength and posture and shows me that they can carry this on their own, then I know that they're going to have a much less stressful time when I go to do it in hand, in tech, or under saddle, or on mounted. So that's what I'm working on currently is, though some of you may have seen on social media that I am riding him and I've been working with him bareback. Uh, this is another interesting thing that I have done with him, which some people may not have seen before, but um, I have chosen to ride him bareback and not saddle him until a later date. So anyone who doesn't know me or is new to my work should know right now that I do a lot of things the opposite of everybody else. So that's my disclaimer. Anyway, uh, yes, I have decided to work with him bareback and um, I have actually just introduced the bareback pad and girth, which is a nice baby step to introducing the saddle. And one of the reasons I've done that is because uh, in my experience, and this is counterintuitive because a lot of people are nervous when they back young horses first time for obvious reasons, because the horses may buck or do unpredictable things when they're young. But the premise of my entire system, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, I had to start so many young horses by myself because I didn't have ground people. And I had to develop a system that 
I was completely safe in. And a lot of my system developed out of making sure that I needed to be safe with these horses that I was starting, these young horses, and I didn't have round pens and I didn't have anything to work in other than an arena. And so I had to come up, I basically had to get such a good relationship with the horse and do such meticulous ground prep before I got on them that by the time I got on them, the horse was so ready and the ho- I, I have still to this day yet to have a young horse do anything in once I've backed them. I mean, they've always been very good, very um, relaxed and very safe to ride. And I mean, uh, I've never... I never assume that that's the way it's going to be, but that's just how it's been. So basically, I developed a system that made myself that was for my own safety. And then, you know, I I basically realized that I had to have a horse that was so comfortable with me and so trusting of me. And I was so trusting in them that that I knew that I was going to be safe when I backed them for the first time because I, I was just me and I had no help. And so that grew into a system where well this is actually really a good way to work with a horse and I didn't have problems but what I did observe was that um, it was very easy to get on a young horse bareback and the horses did not seem very stressed about that at all and that was interesting to me and you know without going on to a debate about you know a lot of people will debate whether bareback you know, is comfortable for horses and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the science, or some people have said, oh, this, scientifically they can't carry you bareback for too long. Anyway, I'm not here to argue any of that. Um, I'm going to talk about my own experience. And I've started a lot of young horses and I ride a lot of my horses bareback. Um, and what I've discovered is that horses just really don't like girths and saddles they learn to tolerate them but the bucking always happens when you introduce the girth and the saddle not when you introduce the rider so I learned that by comparison that um, eventually of course horses do learn to tolerate equipment but um, I'm here to tell you that it's that equipment that they object to not the riders so interesting to note um, and again that's my experience and obviously some horses may have issues Um, someone mentioned about um, their horse not tolerating bareback and I immediately thought that well there's a bunch of acupuncture points under the saddle which I often see sore on a lot of horses and um, those horses buck and a lot of times it's what you're sitting on that's causing the discomfort, not necessarily the horse not tolerating the bareback. There's obviously something going on there that's causing the horse discomfort that is underneath your seat or your saddle, and which can cause uh, the horse to be uncomfortable, not necessarily the bareback riding itself. But anyway, not to digress too much. So yes, um, will I put a saddle on my show eventually? Yes. Uh, do I know he'll tolerate it? Yes. I just like to think about these things um, because we don't spend a lot of time thinking about him. For the same reason, I also rode him for the first time bridleless and bareback. Uh, horses are not born thinking they need tack on them. We are. 
humans think horses need tech. Horses don't think they need tech. And I actually was pondering this lately about Native Americans riding, and they used very little tech. And even, you know, we're out in in battle sometimes, uh, riding horses bareback with no tech. So, um, well, not no tech, but sometimes they had a little bit of tech. But my point is, is that very minimalist, and it just makes you think about our culture and you know our dependency on all this stuff so anyway just some things to think about if you don't show your horses you don't need to use a lot of traditional tech um i do show i still enjoy showing from time to time so there are certain rules you want to play in that sandbox you got to use certain things but um you know, my thoughts here are is that uh, you can really work with the equipment you want to work with. If you're starting a young horse, you can basically use whatever you want. And um, you need to be skilled and you need to be safe. Uh, You have to do a lot of preparation. I was safe doing these things because I did all the preparation that I needed to do. I had the relationship with my horse. I do not encourage anyone to try this stuff with some horse they just randomly bought, you know, last week and uh, decided to do that. Um, if you're interested in these things, that's why we have the virtual coaching and or sending the horses to Ohana to um, experience that process. So, um, one of the things that, uh, I've been working on also is uh, single line work, which is not really the same as lunging, but it's a type of in-hand work, but you're using a single line. Um, I often use that before formal in-hand work where the horse is wearing a bridle, whether it is my bitless signature bridle or otherwise. Um, single line, we have the line either attached to the cabison on the nose, top ring, or under the chin. And I'm working usually with a shorter line at that point, and I'm introducing uh, what I call liberty principles on line, and then um, that's carrying the feel through of liberty to the tack being introduced, so the horse stays soft in the tack and has the feeling of liberty. Uh, It allows me to introduce some of the first lateral movements and the beginning of small figures, bending, and um, working with the posture from the back to the front, from the hind limbs to the midpoint and through the um, flexion. So, Basically, the horses already know, and Maestro already knew at this point from his Liberty Fundamentals that he can do all these things. And so now I'm just introducing a short line and at this point, my uh, signature bridle with no bit. And so I kind of bounce between that and in hand work, depending on what I'm working on. Um, At this point, I'm tailoring the 
exercises to what I think he needs, but the components will be still using Liberty Fundamentals, single line exercises, and also the in-hand formal in-hand work with two reins, with the actual proper reins on the bridle. So single line work I tend to use for also working with the natural frame and then something also new and exciting I'm working with I'm always working on stuff you guys you know this is like my secret lab over here in Ohana uh, my chiropractors and I are working on new ways to simultaneously do groundwork while uh, address, adjusting your horse with the groundwork so chew on that for a minute I can't really explain it much more than that but the groundwork I'm doing is based off of um, things the chiropractors do because I watch them work so much with the way they touch the horses uh, when they're adjusting them and we're working on integrating that with actual cues so the cues are kind of integrated with a touch that uh, adjusts the horse so um, I know it sounds hard to visualize but it's pretty cool and so Maestro is benefiting from that because I'm starting to work with that on him in the single line work and um, then uh, with that I can release some of the blocks in his body that I've seen Um, a lot of them come from playing with his buddies in the paddock Um, not necessarily conducive to suppleness smashing each other around so um but he's having fun so who am i to uh, interfere with that uh so yes interesting stuff uh that i'm working with there uh, to be announced at a future date uh, if we can teach that to people that's something that's in the works um so with that uh teaching him in handwork which is to me in handwork is one of the most underutilized tools for working with young horses and preparing them for mounted work is indispensable in my repertoire of tools as far as young horses. um, It really helps people learn the feel of the frame for the person when I teach people um, for working with a young horse, learning the, basically riding them from the ground. Um, I find it easier than long lining. Um, you know, it's just such a great tool. And, um, you know, working with lateral work, working with the horse's posture, um, you can do it with a liberty rein. You can do it with, um, a, uh, bitless bridle if that's what you choose to work with uh, and you can do it with a bit if you're working with a bit uh, it's just indispensable and it's where I really start to put the fine finishing touches before I back a young horse and so Maestro has been doing a lot of in hand work again with an eye on um, one just helping him understand the transition from Liberty to and single line to mounted because this is ultimately what we're going to be working with 
in addition to the Liberty Reigns, which I've also worked with on him. Now, if you're interested in riding bridalists on your horses, then the Liberty Rein can be introduced. It's just a fun alternative to, if you, even if you don't want to ride without a bridle, it is um, a good thing to use in groundwork, so I use it similarly. I can do in handwork with it. Uh, you can do preparation with it on the ground for other mounted work. Um, you know, I, I teach kids here to keep the bridles on and work with the Liberty Reins for safety purposes, but um, it's just another fun thing you can do with your horses and or some of you who want to go that route or choose not to work with certain equipment on their horses. Um, something that can be introduced to young horses early on, which I have with Maestro. So um, he's very well-rounded. He's learning all of those things, working with the Liberty Rein, <clears throat> working with the single line, working bitless. I have not introduced a bit to him. At this juncture, um, it is generally not in my program to put bits on until horses learn how to use <laughs> their core and their top line. Um, most people are in a huge rush to get the bit on young horses. I, ugh, people, I see, see people putting bits on two-year-olds. Uh, for what reason, I don't know why. But um, if your horse knows how to round and frame properly from back to front, um, through the back, then he will always be good in the bit. Um, it's just a matter of adding it in at some point. So if that's something you want to do, um, focus on the uh, posture and natural frame of the horse. And once the horse understands that, you'll never have a problem with the bit and the horse will always be fabulous with the bit. So, or if you don't ever want to use a bit, don't use one. So um, Maestro is beautiful in the bridle that I have, my signature bridle already. Um, it's just a matter of whether we have to go to competition and they require bits there. Um, so that gives you kind of an insight into uh, how I'm using my system with Maestro. When it came time to mount, um, I always uh, do that at Liberty where I sort of introduce the idea that there, there's another video I posted of me you know, playing a game with him where I jumped up on the mounting block and he comes running up to the block. And again, I mean, these are things that are kind of making it a fun. Uh, I don't know why people have so much trouble with horses mounting them, but um, I've never had much trouble with my horses loading on trailers coming up to the block. Um, Maestro is on his fifth ride and comes to the block and stands like a statue and lets me get on him. Um, and I don't hold the reins and I don't restrict him in any way. I ask him to come there and he can leave if he wants to. And if he wants me on him, he lets me get on. Uh, so at this point, he's um, extremely uh, happy to come up to the block and uh, allow me to get on him. To me, that is a young horse that's ready for a rider. Uh, I don't have to have anyone hold him. He doesn't need it the reins held he just stands and you know I stand and ask him to come up and he does so this is a huge piece for me when I'm backing a horse the horse ha 
has to allow me to get on on their own. I will not hold them. I don't want anyone to hold them. I have to get permission from the horse to get on them. And at that point, then their introduction to riding is completely under their consent. So really, really important principle for me. Uh, so many horses are not ready for people to get on them when they get on them and they're held and people jump on and they're always going to carry that lesson through the rest of their life. Um, of course they get, horses learn to tolerate so many things, but isn't it nice to think that they would give you consent to get on them instead of just tolerating it? So, um, you know, a lot of the groundwork I work with is about working with the horse's innate cues, and innate cues are cues that are already built into the horse. And so uh, I learned about these things in my travels and under the people I studied with, and it means that you don't have to really use a lot of pressure. I'm not a high-pressure person. I don't use a lot of pressure with my horses. I have found that touch Horses respond really well to touch. It's been a fascinating study to me the more I've gotten into it, especially with my chiropractors, like how we use physical touch on the horses. And I don't mean whips, actual physical touch. Um, I have found that horses move so much easier off of literally the touch of your hand or your physical body than they do from any artificial item or gadget. It's astounding to me the difference. You guys should experiment with this with your horses. I encourage you. It is amazing. Like, I mean, obviously, sometimes you have to use tools with horses. It's just, you know, depending on what you're doing, you have to uh, use them. Or, you know, you can find um, the ways of touching the horse. Sometimes you can touch the horse in a certain way and it elicits a certain response. But... The natural response points are already built into your horse. And the more meticulous you are with these points, the less you have to do. It's basically, for a lot, it's just literally like magic buttons on the horses. So, um, you know, there, it's understanding anatomy, it's understanding cause and effect, and it's understanding that your touch elicits a response in the horse starting with your hands on the ground and moving up to your actual seat and legs contacting the horse when you sit on them. Uh, it's just been a fascinating exploration to me and it's so much more refined than what we're taught. You know, generally, um, even the finest writers I watch, you know, there's a level of refinement you can get to, which is, it's just not requiring a lot of pressure. It's knowing where where to be and when to touch certain areas. It's, it's just such a more articulate way of writing. And um, now that I've uh, freed myself up from my early training, which was when we were all taught equitation, you know, sometimes you have to let go of that stuff so you can ride better. Oh, bless me to say these things. Um, yeah, a lot of times equitation causes you to ride very limited and, as I was taught, very static in your riding. So you can't get out of the box that you're put in. So the, the more I explore riding the horse 
holistically and writing, um, the more you have to let go of, of some of the, the, the formal things we were taught when we were little kids learning heels down. So, um, you know, arch your back, shoulders back, all of those things. Things that actually impede the horse uh, don't actually support the horse in, in moving you know, organically and freely and elastically and round. But uh, more of that in other classes, articulate rider classes, in the future. Um, I do have more online things in the works. Um, I will be doing a zoopharmacognosy class soon online. Um, I am filming Maestro's Progress weekly and it is going up on my website on the um, video membership site at this point. Uh, you can gain access to these in different ways. Uh, there's different ways to, to view them. Uh, there are clips and uh, free uh, demos, live streams that I've done, as I said, on Facebook. And um, at this juncture, I am on Maestro's fifth ride, so I'm still filming as many rides as I can. You know, um, each week I try to tap a film like every couple rides so you can see the progress and um, also the steps that I'm taking. And I expect that probably, um, yeah, in the next month or so, I will have uh, him quite nice, nicely started for for my uh, what I would call my sort of loosely 90-day program to backing of you know, a young horse. Um, like I said, I do use that same format for. Restarting and rehabbing horses too. Um, there will be also uh, some other classes I'm going to be running. Uh, I'm interested in running another uh, 90-day um, restart rehab class for a lot of people. I think that would be really helpful from what I've seen. Uh, what you guys are showing me online, the horses you're working with, the horses that get sent to me. This is a constantly uh, never-ending topic. Uh, a lot of horses are having a need to be restarted and have foundation cracks or rehabilitated from poor riding, poor training, injuries, whatever they've, they've uh, encountered in their world. And a lot of you guys have taken them on as projects so I commend you for that. I do it all the time, too. But um, if you are interested in following Maestro's um, first weanling year, I do have that available on Vimeo. Uh, the weanling to uh, cold starting uh, relationship building section is already completed because I did that from about the age of seven months to two years. And uh, I'm in the process of doing the rest of it now. It's all available on Vimeo and my website. Uh, if you want more information, contact me and or go to fdhorsemanship.com. So um, hopefully I'll be in a more of a schedule of my podcast again. Uh, it's a little tough to uh, juggle all the balls sometimes, but um, I'm trying
try to keep the content coming to you guys. I appreciate everybody uh, following me and attending the workshops. And uh, I love helping you guys. I love helping your horses. That's my mission in life. So um, I will talk to you soon and probably see you on social media. And uh, don't hesitate to contact me uh, or post questions or topics you'd like to hear on the podcast. All right. Talk to you soon. Find out more about Faradijanet whole horsemanship at fdhorsemanship.com, YouTube, Faradijanet Horsemanship on Facebook, at FD Horsemanship on Instagram, at FD Horsemanship on Twitter, and also you can join my membership site at fdhorsemanship.com where you can have access to virtual coaching, my online mentor program, and also many, many videos plus videos for sale on cold starting and many exercises that I teach.